everyone, welcome back to Let's Talk Physical Media. My name is John. Faith will be with me in a little while for our regular old-fashioned this or that portion of the show, and then she'll be with me also for some Q&A portion of the show, and then it'll just be me answering some of your burning questions. But we like to start the show off every single week with the news, and just like last week, there really wasn't too much in the world of physical media going on. Really minor news stories. I guess we were just getting it trickling in into the new year. You know, the beginning of the year is always slow for physical media. We really don't start ramping up until we get to the summer. We get some nice releases here and there, but nothing too, too special. The studios like to save their big guns for the summer and then obviously leading into the holiday season. That's why we got so much in December and we got really not too much at the beginning of this year. But we did get Vinegar Syndrome announcing what they're releasing in January. And the one that stood out to me was Southern Comfort on 4K Blu-ray. And I actually talked to somebody, a friend of the channel, Rico Gomez, and he said that this movie is very similar to Deliverance. And it's something that he enjoys. And honestly, the cover for this looks pretty damn good. Honestly, that's one thing that Vinegar Syndrome always nails is the artwork on any of their covers. It's almost enough to sell you on the movies, even if you don't really recognize all the films. And Vinegar Syndrome does have some of the most hardcore fans. I'm actually in a group on Facebook with Vinegar Syndrome fans. And they buy everything from them no matter what it is they check out the movies and you really got to appreciate that support for a physical media company even if i don't love everything that vinegar syndrome puts out i can always appreciate the fan support that they have who support the films that they release they also announced that they're going to be releasing little darlings on 4k blu-ray that's another popular film from 1980 so that's kind of a somewhat major release for them I would say those were the two standouts in their entire catalog that they're releasing for January, but the fans seem to be pretty happy with that, which is always good to see. And then one thing, very similar to what Killers of the Flower Moon got announced a couple weeks ago, there was going to be a 4K Blu-ray release of Thanksgiving. There's already a way to purchase this online through Amazon's Italian link, just like Killers of the Flower Moon. It's very strange to me that they're releasing these in an Italian 4K Blu-ray before we actually get the American releases on 4K Blu-ray. We only got Thanksgiving announced actually for Blu-ray and DVD. We didn't even get a 4K announcement for that so i'm a little curious as to what's going on with that i actually i have a theory that later in the year around thanksgiving time scream factory will be releasing thanksgiving on 4k blu-ray that's just the perfect marriage of a studio with a film that fits right into their catalog i believe that's when we'll get that as far as killers of the flower moon it was actually just announced that on january 12th you'll be able to watch this on apple tv plus apple tv plus actually footed 50 percent of the bill along with paramount i'm still expecting a paramount 4k blu-ray announcement at some point early in this year i can't imagine it being out any later than april especially since you know that's when the fire is kind of going to be burning off the film and that's right after the academy awards so i imagine it'll come to 4k blu-ray sometime in april and really that's all we got for the news this week there really wasn't much else you know i've noticed that walmart has started to put out their exclusive 4k steelbooks 4k steelbooks that i would have expected to be released through best buy and now best buy i've seen it everywhere all over twitter or whatever the hell they're calling it facebook instagram you know people taking pictures of their best buy shelves i stopped into a best buy myself those shelves are almost empty i think at the end of this month if it's official we're gonna have a funeral for best buy's physical media collection here on the channel and probably say goodbye to best buy for good for a lot of us but those 4K steelbooks, the really nice one that stood out to me was this Train to Busan 4K exclusive steelbook from Walmart that I might actually grab because I actually haven't gotten that film on 4K Blu-ray. And that is one of the better zombie films out there. A, a subgenre of horror that I'm not a huge fan of. You know, some really stand out to me like Return of the Living Dead or the original Dawn of the Dead. For me, those two films are both classics in the horror genre. But I'm just not a huge fan of every single thing that has to do with zombies. Not a Walking Dead guy at all. But Train to Busan was one of those special zombie films. So maybe I'll grab that exclusive steelbook it is really really nice actually and that's really gonna do it here for us on the news so let's kick it over
over me and Faith as we talk about this or that, or whatever the hell else we want to talk about this week. Back with me for another week of, I guess we're doing this or that this week, is Faith Williams, my lovely, lovely wife, the luckiest lady on earth. <laughs> so, Faith, what are we talking about this week? We're going to talk about action movies. Oh, love action movies. So, there's a lot of action movies and franchises, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of... Uh, Action movies are standalone as well. So we're going to talk about all of that right okay. now. Um, first, I want to know your opinion. Do you prefer standalones or do you prefer franchises when it comes to action? Well, it's funny you say that because a lot of action franchises seem to end up uh, in the gutter eventually. Mm-hmm. Although there's like three main action franchises that have just always stood the test of time that are pretty good quality. And I want to guess. Can I guess? Guess the three. Mission Impossible. Yep. Uh, John Wick. Yep. Uh, the third one's gonna be tough. Shoot. Uh, it's a lot of them. Fast and Furious. No, no, that won't make mine. I know a lot of people's. That's their favorite franchise, action franchise of all time. The James Bond franchise. Oh, James Bond. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> duh, duh. Yeah, that's probably the most famous action franchise ever. It's been going on since the 1960s. So I, I've always enjoyed that, and honestly, I love going back into the James Bond franchise and just watching them all. Same thing with the Mission Impossibles. You know, John Wick is kind of only four movies in, and in the world of action movies, think about it, we just got the 10th Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. That's if you don't include Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I enjoy There's it. a lot that don't, that get the respect that they deserve, but a lot that don't. Um, Born Identity, I really liked. Yeah, the Born movies kind of like, you know what I think killed that is its last movie wasn't good, but the original trilogy of movies, really good. That's why I kind of don't want them to make more um, John Wicks. John Wicks, because I like where they left off. If you Perfect wanna, closing. If you want to, you know, branch off to that. That's well, that's why Ballerina But I don't out. want it to ever be John Wick. Again. No, I think you ended John Wick's story too perfectly, mm-hmm. and now to bring him back, it's, it would just feel like you were just literally so desperate to get him back. To this and and like, like, okay, oh, people... I'm sure Chats the house he watches the show, <laughs> and he's very interested in my opinion of the John Wick franchise. Now, would you consider <laughs> Ghostbusters a action kind of movie? I do. I really, they definitely are in the action comedy genre. Like, you know, they got, they kind of float that line of like being a little bit in both. Mm-hmm. I would say definitely action comedy though, right? Wouldn't you? They kind of float with like the bad boys. Yeah. Kind of, right? I would say they're very similar to the bad boys franchise. Just they don't have like the, they do have big set pieces actually too, just like the bad boys movies. I guess I just never thought about that. I always thought that it was more like. Because it's like comedy, so they put some comedy. But it's got the to horror it. aspect because to it. Because the, the movies we think about, you know, Mission Impossible. I mean, some there's a little bit of comedy in Mission Impossible. I think they all have a little bit of comedy. Like, but like, you gotta like lighten up the movie a little Fast bit. Fast and Furious, a little bit, I guess. Well, but, Fast and Furious are funny, but I don't think they're intentionally funny. I just. Yeah. I think they want to talk about family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When he came back to life, and I think <laughs> it was either seven or eight, and he comes back to life because somebody brings up family. Like, he's dead. But someone brings up family. And this is just after he stomps his foot to bring the whole garage down, by the way. But once he freaking comes back to life for family, you don't take those movies seriously anymore. <laughs> so it's funny, but not meant to be funny. Yeah, it's, I would say that Jason Momoa in the most recent Fast movie, he got the memo of what these movies are. Everybody else still <laughs> They did it. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. That's pretty funny. But yeah, I, I'm more into... I like the standalones, they, um, but, you know, I also like franchises as well. My favorite, as you know, is John Wick's, but... 
you know, Mission Impossible's right there with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do like that. But then you have movies like... Die Hard. Die Hard. Die Hard. Yeah. You well, have, Die Hard, unfortunately... You have movies like Die Hard. ...is in a franchise. Yeah. Die Hard on its own is probably one of the top three best action and movies. I don't time. consider it in the franchise. We didn't even talk about my favorite action franchise of all time. What is that? The Lethal Weapon franchise. Lethal Weapon. I thought you were going to say Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is up there as well, but the problem with Indiana Jones is you get three amazing movies, yeah, and then you get two absolutely atrocious movies. Fast, uh, Lethal Weapon, very similar to John Wick, where there's not a bad one in the bunch. You could argue that three isn't a great one, but I'll tell you what, I love three. Yeah. I also love four. So I have four great movies. Now, uh, Mission Impossible has one average movie, and that's Mission Impossible 2. Well, the rest are really good. John Wick is just four for four, and it's just rare you get that. Mm. You know, Indiana Jones, as much as I love Raiders of the Last Crusade, you know, there's some bad ones in there. But speaking of standalone movies... I um, like Con Air. Con Air. I was just going to bring up that run of Nick Cage movies, Con Air, Face Off, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, The Rock. Those are all great movies. Yeah. What about the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies from the 80s, like Commando, yeah. Total Recall? Um, then you also get Stallone and, like, Cobra. Cobra's now, fantastic. Now, do you consider... Star Wars action. Star Wars is so many things. It I, is, right? Yeah. Because it's like they had some really action-packed <clears throat> parts of those movies. Well, you know what's so funny is uh, IGN now owns this channel, but it used to be called Cinefix. And they put uh, they made a list of the top ten westerns of all time, and they put Star Wars at number one. And I can see that. I can see that, too, because they're clearly inspired by so many different things they're inspired by samurai movies oh my God, which are action it. movies as well like it's really tough it's like futuristic but yet not no it's well it's in a galaxy a long time ago far 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 away yeah. so it's pretty far away and it's a long time ago so it, it does feel especially like on tatooine it does feel like a western especially like yeah. that and you know look at how han solo is you know he's kind of just feels like that lone gun out in the universe working on his own and then he's got to learn to work as a team <clears throat> that's why i was i wanted to see your opinion on that because i see so many things in those movies but I get a lot of action from that as well. There's a ton of action sequences. I mean, just the, you know, the TIE fighters fighting with each other. And then especially in the Empire Strikes Back, the opening on uh, whatever the snow planet's called. And I know the Star Wars fans are going to be pissed that I can't remember <laughs> it. But whatever that one, Hoth. Huh, yeah. Okay. But, uh, you know, with the ATATs and everything like that, those are great sequences. Yeah. Actually, that's probably my favorite sequence in any of them as far as action sequences go. But amazing stuff. I mean... There's also, like, movies like, that I don't consider action movies, but they do have a lot of, like, action in them. Like, Planet of the Apes, stuff like that. Planet of the Apes, I would consider action. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, I would say, is, I guess that's an action franchise, an action adventure, very similar to Indiana Jones. Yeah, I'm finding a lot of the movies that we like are action. Um, Well, action... Like, you know, people might think, like, action just for the sake of action, like the Raid movies or something like that. But then there's movies... Like, my favorite action movies have to have a good story. That's why I don't like the Transformers movies. Mm. I just feel like they're just action for action's sake. And they have to have good action as well, though. Yeah, no, well, like, that's the problem with the Bourne movies. As much as I love them, there is a lot, a lot of jump cuts where it's hard to see what's going on. And yeah. I, I've never been a fan of the shaky cam, the jump cut stuff. I like it when you could set the camera down and, like, let them do their job, like in the John Wick movies. And mm-hmm. more recently... I mean, Mission Possible movies have suffered at this in points, but not that much. Yeah, and it takes the the actors to really invest in that as well. Well, that's why you, you know, don't need jump cuts if you have the actor doing the work. Yeah. Right now, in their sixties, 
doing these action movies, and they go all in with Keanu Reeves, and you know, like it's just Tom Cruise. Is Tom Cruise is on a suicide mission it, out yeah, there. Yeah, so it's it's just they have to be invested, and they want to have fun, and they want to, you know, really take it seriously, but not too seriously. You know, they want to create a good movie. I agree. You know? I completely agree. That was a great. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I yeah. wanted to talk about that because we had a conversation earlier about action. Not today. You love action. This week. That's one of your favorite genres. Oh yeah, it's movies. it's comedy number one, then action, and I don't even know if I have anything after that. You, horror, enjoy, you enjoy a good horror movie. I enjoy a, a good horror movie, but I'm not the one. You're that, not a junk horror fan. No, 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 no way. You're, I'm not just gonna put on a horror movie just to put on a horror movie. No way. My sister yeah. is something different. That's all she really watches and Marvel, but. That, that's just not me. I can go back to um, Never Been Kissed and, you know, those 90s, like late 90s, early 2000s you were, kind of Which movies. is so funny that you love those late 90s, early 2000s teen bopper movies where they kind of shifted into action, horror, and then obviously just the straightforward like teen dramas. I hate those movies. I hate the aesthetic of them. You know, Freddie Prince Jr., all those. Uh, I never love, worked I love Never Been Kissed. I love... Um, She's all that. Never Been Kissed is so underrated. The only thing I remember about Never Been Kissed is if you had the Fight Club DVD, the menu system would start out Never Been Kissed. And I think it's even on the Blu-ray. It starts out Never Been Kissed. And then it transfers into the Fight Club menu system. It's really funny. So it like, makes you think you bought the wrong thing. Uh, oh, yes. Thing. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> Never Been Kissed is underrated to me, in my opinion. Only It's not realistic, obviously. She looks... She doesn't look like she should be in high school. I, I'm sorry, but... That's why it's not another teen movie so good for making fun yes, of Yes, and, and I love it. Don't get me wrong. I know where the flaws is. But I thought it was a cute premise. I thought that they did a great job... Um, her and uh, David Arquette. David Arquette. Yeah. Um, it, I loved him in that. You know, he's this twenty-something-year-old guy who just feels like he got another shot. Yeah. You know, I, David Arquette's a very underrated actor. So I, I mean, I love those movies. It's just there's something into them, you know. And then you have the Clueless, but Clueless is just a classic. I wouldn't put Clueless in that area because a, that's a mid-nineties movie. Yeah, mid-nineties and a classic. Mm-hmm. And a classic film, exactly. Mm-hmm. Clueless is a little bit different. So you ready to answer some oh, questions? I got a, oh, speaking of Clueless, Ooh. I got a, such a nice Clueless bag for Christmas from my sister Carmela. Oh my God, thank you again. It's probably one of my favorite gifts. You yeah, know, I got, a nice, I got a nice gift from my husband as well. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> we're going to see Drake, but uh, this bag, I felt like the quality of the bag was so nice. And I, so I'm just trying to get the perfect outfit to wear with it, but I, I loved it. Look at that with this, actually. It's like red and white. It's, yeah, but it's more like a, kind of like a classy kind of bag. Oh, okay. So, ready to answer some questions? Yeah. All right. So, our first question as a unit is from John Doe Juggalo, who is a producer here on the channel. He Hi, says, John. And he says, well, I'm not going to tell you what his real name is. No. <laughs> when you and Faith move, is the need for a dedicated movie uh, room a must when looking for a new place? I know it was for me and my wife when we bought our last house. A movie room and a good internet very must-haves. Yeah, so I wouldn't say a movie room per se. Well, like, I would say that this is technically a movie room. Like, mm-hmm. you guys can't see it from this angle, but my movie wall is right wherever here. Wherever we go, we're going to have two bedrooms. So 
the, the second one is obviously going to be for John. We can change it to whatever he wants to do. We're going to put a little, I would like, I would prefer to have like a little bed in there as well. Um, in case you just want to go in there and watch a movie and I don't. But we have a nice setup right now in our living room. So as long as we have like a nice setup somewhere in the house, I think would be good. Well, yeah, one thing that's great about me and Faith is that we actually just both enjoy movies. Like maybe Faith not as much as me, but she's always been cool. It's like she said. We have our living room is a perfect movie room as it is. You know, we have our regular couch that's recliners. We got the 77-inch mm -hmm. OLED C2 in there. We mm -hmm. got the surround sound system. We even have movie posters on the wall. Mm -hmm. So it feels like a movie room on its own. And obviously, we'll just transfer that to wherever we move to. Mm -hmm. But then the wall of 4Ks and Blu-rays you know, needs its own special spot. And I won't settle for less. And speaking of internet, we literally had this conversation before we came on the air yeah, about so like uh, when we moved to Houston because her sister already lives there. And she's using the T-Mobile internet. Now, T-Mobile cell phone user here. No problem with T-Mobile. But I don't know if I can get on board with that plug-and-play Wi-Fi system that they got going on. I'm going to need my, you know, one gigabyte. Um, you do a lot of work. Online, on, on, for the internet. That is your work. So you, you need a better internet service compared to somebody who just... If you're just using But you it, know what? Not for nothing. She does work from home. That is true. But I, you know, I'm going to need a nice mesh system in the house to make sure we're spreading the Wi-Fi throughout very nicely. You know, I'm going to need good quality internet. That's a, that's a deal breaker for me. All right? Need good internet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing... But of I, course, if the internet goes out, what do we got? Physical media. Yeah. We will survive. But... You know, there's nothing. There's no harm in trying it. Like you could try it and say, "Yeah, it wasn't for me." I get that, but I you know? I could already tell what it's gonna be. <laughs> Why? Cause it's what? I just know. <laughs> I've been there okay. before. So that's a great question, John Doe Juggalo. Thank you, buddy. Really appreciate that. And then this is a fun question from Kevin Kruger, and he wrote, "Who would win in a fight?" And it's a list of names, one versus one. And he wrote, "John Rambo versus Ethan Hunt." Oh wow. John Rambo, right? We agree there. John Rambo's a killer. Ethan Hunt is a genius, but and, and he they're killed. both killers. They're both killers. But Rambo, he has ruined countries. Like he's gone I mean, in there and Ethan, mowed down Ethan countries. Ethan Hunt stops countries from getting ruined. He does. So like they're a great like. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's Although hard. Rambo is doing it for good, at least he always believes he's doing it for good. So is John, so does uh, Ethan, Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hunt, yeah. Innocent people do get hurt in the long run, though. But. Uh, uh, I still think Rambo wins in that one. What do you think? I'm going to go opposite of you, Ethan Hunt, because uh, I'm not going to pick the same movie. What's it like being wrong all the time? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Next up is the Terminator versus RoboCop. I, I really don't think there's too much of a competition here. They're like the same. Well, no, because don't forget RoboCop, yes, he is a cyborg, but he's got a human being underneath there. You know, like, yeah, it's just a head and, like, this upper body. But still, there's a human being in there. That was a real person. Whereas the Terminator, he's there to just kill. That's yeah, it. Yeah. So, and he really can't be killed, especially with regular guns. It's not that easy. If you look at what he had to go through in the first Terminator movie. And then they came back and just shot him and just closed it right up. Yeah, so it's a, exactly. So if he's versing a T one thousand. It's not even a competition. Yeah, no. So bye bye Murphy. Yeah. Uh, it might be close, but it'll yeah. be a good fight. It'll Definitely worth like fight. a pay per view yeah. buy for yeah. sure. Uh, <laughs> not a pay per view. <laughs> remember pay per view? Do they still have pay per view? Yeah, for boxing matches and Are stuff like that. No, I don't think. Yeah, so. I mean, they? yeah, I'm a pretty sure they do. Oh my god, I do, I always thought. Okay, so when I was younger. My aunt would have boxing matches at her house, and we would, you know, we would watch Mike Tyson and a, a lot of fighters. And so, when you said pay per view, that this brought me back. No, they still have them. I'm pretty sure. Um, 
Pinhead versus Freddy Krueger. Ooh, this is actually a tough one because Pinhead comes from hell. Freddy Krueger also from hell, but Freddy Krueger can get in your nightmares. But, but Freddy Krueger was a real person. True, and Pinhead might have been too. Uh, does Pinhead? But the only thing with I Pinhead, don't know much about Pinhead. I know he's an asshole. Uh, <laughs> but I think Freddy Krueger wins this one just because he can get in his nightmares. But I'm the only say thing Freddy. Is, but does Pinhead have nightmares? That's the thing. His life is a nightmare. Uh, Leprechaun versus Pennywise. Oh, le uh, Pennywise. Pennywise, right? Oh, yeah. Leprechaun scares the shit yeah, out of me. Yeah, but Pennywise, <laughs> you don't know what it is. You don't? Well, we do know it. He's deadlights. But, uh, like, but you don't really know. <clears throat> No, he can. He's an entity. He yeah. can be anything. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Uh, Chucky versus Megan. Did you see Megan yet? No. Oh, uh, Megan was great. Uh, Chucky though is a serial killer before he becomes a doll. So <laughs> I think he's gonna fuck with Megan pretty much and then murder the shit out of her. So I'm gonna go with Chucky in this one. Megan's cooler. You should see Megan. Mm -hmm. um, John Wick versus Jason Bourne. Speaking of action franchise. John Wick. Oh wow, time. really? Mm -hmm. Anytime. John Wick. Anytime. It's a he, little bit tougher than I thought. Did you see how many people he fought? Yes, but... Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> You're right. John Wick wins. Yeah. Him getting up that staircase alone, he deserves the W in this one. All right, here's a tough one. Michael Myers versus Jason, because they both don't die. Oh, my God. I'm going to say Jason. You think Jason? I'm going to say Jason, because Jason was just... A meat, like he was just, and he still keeps coming like, back. Yeah, dead meat. He had warm. He was warm food. Yeah, and he still got back. But out. Michael's been dead too so many times. To yeah, come back. but my Michael, the original of Michael is not the same. That is true. I guess but Michael I comes from hell. That's how I look at. That's it. how you look. Michael's at it. evil, so he draws from kills. He gets his power. And that's what the last three movies kind of showed you. I hate the last one, which sucked. Because the too. first two were great. I know. Um, and I was like, what a way to bring this back. I, right? I like, concur. What a way to bring this back. But what they showed you in the last three movies is that he gets power from killing. He does. And then, then he takes somebody under his wing. Who would have <laughs> thought that Michael would be such a great mentor to Cody Cunningham? Oh, mm. my God. He's well, this is a good one. Candyman versus Leatherface. Mm, Candyman, Candy absolutely, because right? yeah. he's not even real. No, yeah, he's he's another one who could just, and he's going to scare, Leatherface, you know. Yeah, but you only can bring out Candyman by saying his name. Does so. Leatherface speak? He always just like, Ooh, ah! Is Leatherface, a, it's, he's a person. Though. He is he a person, yeah. He made the mask himself. Yeah, Candyman will be like, Leatherface, yeah, that's yeah, not even a competition. Annabelle versus the nun. Now, this I didn't is actually, see the nun. No? Don't. Um... <laughs> Consider yourself lucky. There's no reason to watch The Nun or The Nun 2. But if you, the character of The Nun is also in um, The Conjuring 2. And she is scary as hell. Annabelle is also really scary. This is actually a really tough one. But I'm going to go with Annabelle just because at least Annabelle had the balls to give us two good movies. I've seen Annabelle and I, I'll go with Annabelle because that's the only one I saw. I didn't okay. see Megan. That's fair. All right. That was a great question, Kevin. Thank you so much. And my first solo question this week is from Shamrock Balls, a.k.a. David. You guys have seen him in... Plenty of reviews with me. We just actually released our Lethal Weapon review this past week on the channel. And at this point, we've already shot our Ghostbusters 2 review. Look for that in the near future. And he asked, Hey, John, I haven't sent you a, qu a question for the show in a while. I actually meant to bring this up on our pod, but it slipped my mind. 
you mentioned Richard Donner's best film, and I don't know if personally I agree with that. So what is your opinion in Donner's top five movies? Cheers, buddy. Well, this is going to hurt some people, and I know that going into this, but my top five Richard Donner films, I'm going to start it off with number five, and we'll work our way up to number one, but at number five, I'm going to have 1976's The Omen. This is the one that put... Richard Donner on the map. This is his breakthrough film, and this film still holds up to this very day. You know, it's coming off the heels of The Exorcist. It's got one of the best scores in film history. The movie still stands up. It's still the best Omen film. I'm not really too big of a fan of the sequels. I know some people really are. Not really for me, but the original is still a stone-cold horror classic. And then at number four, I got Lethal Weapon 2. For me, it's not the best Lethal Weapon film, but it's getting pretty damn close. This is still the second best Lethal Weapon film. I enjoy it with the entire franchise, and Richard Donner actually directed all four films so you know he loved this franchise just as much as us and this one you know we really finally are settling into the partnership to the family aspect of the entire franchise we also have one of the most over-the-top villains in film history that it's really hard to understand how this guy and all of his buddies are able to get away with what they get away with in this movie and it builds up to a great third act great set piece even better than maybe the set piece in the first one i'm not entirely sure i do love the way that they end this movie and for me this is richard donna's fourth best film and then at number three, I have Superman, the original Superman. Now, I'm not the biggest Superman guy, but you cannot deny that the original Superman is a great film. I just revisited the entire franchise last year. And for people who are aware, the Superman films 1 and 2 were filmed back-to-back. But unfortunately, halfway or three-quarters of the way through filming Superman 2, he was fired. They hired Richard Lester. Richard Lester finished the film. He gets the directorial credit because Richard Donner refused it. Then in 2006, then they finally released the director's cut of Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut. And I think that is the definitive edition of Superman 2, but it's still not as good as the original Superman. This is where people really started to get that superhero feeling. This is like one of the first superhero mainstream films. Christopher Reeve became a star from this movie. It still stands up to this very day. Gene Hackman is still the best Lex Luthor. It's still a classic film. It might not be the best film when you compare it to modern day superhero films. Obviously, the special effects were not there at the time, but for what they did in the 1970s, it really is an achievement and a great achievement for Richard Donner. And that brings me to number two, which is a Christmas classic in my opinion, Scrooge, starring Bill Murray. This movie just has a combination of a lot of my favorite aspects. Christmas, Bill Murray, a Danny Elfman score, that kind of gothic horror feel to it. And it's absolutely funny. It's a great story. It's the best telling of A Christmas Carol, in my opinion. Obviously, it's got the 80s soaked all over it. So I just eat this film up. And that brings us to number one. And that is, of course, Lethal Weapon. Like I said, that is my favorite Richard Donner movie. I love Lethal Weapon. I watched this three times in a month recently, just around Christmas time. I just love Lethal Weapon so much. It's one of those special movies for me. It's the best buddy cop film of all time. Mel Gibson and Danny Glover have great chemistry. Really wish Mel Gibson didn't do what he did and opened his big mouth because I love the Lethal Weapon movies and it makes me love Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. I enjoy their partnership. I enjoy it when they get the third wheel of Joe Pesci in the sequels. But the original one is still the greatest one of all time when it comes to Richard Donner films. Now, you guys are going to notice that The Goonies didn't make the list. I know a lot of people love The Goonies. As a huge 80s film fan, I should love The Goonies. But you know what? I don't like The Goonies. In fact, I'm probably never going to watch The Goonies again for my entire life unless somebody pays me to because I just do not enjoy that movie. And I know why. That's definitely a children's movie and a children's movie of a certain time. I didn't see that movie for the first time until I was 21 years old. I watched it with my wife and our friend Sarah. And she loved that movie, my friend Sarah. She just ate that movie up. It's one of her favorites, along with Labyrinth. 
Both of those movies just don't entirely work for me. I think Labyrinth is a better movie. I at least can rewatch that movie. The Goonies, I didn't get it. I didn't enjoy it at all. I, you know, it's got some good performances in there, but for me, The Goonies is just not my movie, so that will never make a top five Richard Donner film for me. I appreciate everybody who loves it, but I think I just saw it at too old of an age, and it just didn't click with me. And the next question on the list is from Blu-ray Collector 18, formerly known as the 17th Year Blu-ray Collector. I saw you change your name, buddy. And he asks, what are the worst Atmos tracks, or one of the worst Atmos tracks out there? And in my opinion, there really haven't been too many that disappointed me. I know a lot of people have been disappointed with the Disney Dolby Atmos tracks in the past. And, you know, I've been mixed on them. I've never really been too blown away. I, th I thought there were some good ones mixed in there. But I get why people do get disappointed. They do feel a little generic at points. You know, like, let's just get this out there. They put not as much effort in as other studios do. Like, with Evil Dead Rise from last year, that one was just mixed so well. You can clearly tell they went in there and edited every aspect, whereas Disney kind of feels like, you know, they are a major studio, we have a deadline to hit, you can't concentrate as much. But for me, the worst Dolby Atmos tracks are the ones that really get packaged in with drama films. That's almost really unnecessary if a drama film isn't really score-heavy, or, you know, obviously there's no action sequences where really you just care about the dialogue. There's almost no point in having an Atmos track, so those by default are kind of the worst. So recently I reviewed Philadelphia here on the channel. This was a 2018 4K Blu-ray release from Sony, and this Atmos track, it's good, but it's unnecessary. The only times you really even notice it's an Atmos track is in the opening credits and the closing credits, and that's mainly because it's a licensed track playing over the film, and that's just mixed very well on its own, so when you add that in there, yeah, it's just making good use of your speakers, but throughout the film, you know, that's why a lot of drama films usually just have a mono track involved, or, you know, in most cases, a DTS HD 5.1. And when I was reading somebody else's list, they actually put Leon the Professional on their list, and I this was one of my early reviews on the channel. It actually might have been my second solo 4k blu-ray review i'm actually going to be re-reviewing the first film i ever reviewed here on the channel solo and that was juice we're going to re-review that in celebration of two years of the channel this upcoming monday so keep an eye out for that but Leon the Professional was one of the track was one of the films I reviewed early in my YouTube career, and it's one of my favorite films of all time. But the Dolby Atmos track, when I went in and checked it out again, you know the guy was right. It's not the greatest Dolby Atmos track. It's got a lot of flair in the beginning and the end, and obviously those are the two big action sequences. But everything in the middle, it's not that impressive. And I guess that's just because, of, like very similar to Philadelphia, a lot of it is dialogue heavy, so you're not making great use of the Atmos track. And it's very funny that it's very funny that this is also a Sony release so you know early days of 4k blu-ray really weren't making the best use of technology visually and audio wise you know when you compare a 2023 release to a 2017 4k blu-ray release for the most part it's night and day but there are some great ones that slip in there Sony definitely had the visuals down pat but it just doesn't look like they had the audio at 110% yet so that would probably be the worst Atmos track in my opinion so the next two questions kind of tie into each other and this one is from my buddy Rick and he asked John if you could make any old format of physical media relevant again what would it be and why the format that I would honestly love to rejuvenate is the VHS format I know that's not the best format out there I was running alongside LaserDisc which is really like the 4k blu-ray of the time and VHS has that very distinct look to it. It's actually like a lower quality. It was even a lower quality than Betamax at the time. But I have such a nostalgic feeling for VHS that I would love for that to come back. I really do think that if you can get a nice CRT TV, a really good VCR, re-watching movies on VHS will bring back those nostalgic feelings. You know, the first time you discover a certain movie and you watch it for the first time on VHS, yes, it looks rough and dirty, but that was part of the charm of the film. As much as I love the Terminator coming to 4K Blu-ray, there's still times where me and Matt have gone back 
back and we've watched it on VHS and we enjoyed it that much more, even though it's a very low quality. That's just how we came to the film. I remember renting the Terminator from the library and being blown away by the film. And then as it got newer and better looking, I appreciated it. It's just not how I came to the movie. Yes, VHS might make things look a little... You know, not the best, that's for sure, but it does raise those nostalgic feelings. So I would always love the VHS format to come back. You know, obviously there's no chance of that ever happening. But that's the one. I also felt like VHS boxes had the most real estate on them. As much as, like, DVD, DVD kind of feels like that format that as much as I enjoy it, and a lot of people still buy DVD, it's still the number one seller in physical media. I never was in love with the cases for DVD. I felt like we lost a lot of real estate from VHS. VHS cover art was always the best. It always stood out to me, especially in the horror section. DVD, we kind of lost that. And I feel like now with 4K Blu-ray, slipcovers, and steelbooks, we're finally back to that. I would say VHS and 4K Blu-ray really have some of the best artwork out there and I think the VHS format was still some of the best and again those nostalgic feelings always want VHS back and this leads into our next question from Mr. Smelly Potato are there any movies that were released only on VHS that you'd like to see get a Blu-ray release and he wrote for me there is a movie my mom rented from the video store back in the mid 90s called Cold-Blooded starring Jason Prisley only has a VHS release and I'd like to watch it again but it's nowhere to be found on any streaming service unless I track down the old VHS tape well Mr. Smelly Potato for me, there actually isn't too many VHSs that haven't been upgraded yet. There was a movie actually similar to you that when I was a kid, I remember seeing and I actually caught back up to this. It's on a streaming service. I think it's on Amazon right now for free. And it was called Trading Moms. That movie, I just remember seeing it when I was like four years old. I loved it. Never could find it again. I don't know where I saw it, like how I saw it, but I never could find it again. From what I understand, it's never been upgraded from VHS or even from TV movie. Sissy Spacek is even in this movie. It's very strange. Good movie, too, but, you know, when I rewatched it, I'm like, okay, a lot of the good feelings for that movie were nostalgia, but still, that's the kind of movie I would love to have in my collection on DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, anything like that, just because of uh, the memories and how important that movie was, rediscovering it. I had it in my memory bank for a very, very long time until about three or four years ago. I finally rediscovered that movie, and, of course, I was disappointed by the quality of it, but it's one of those movies that stuck out to a four-year-old that doesn't feel the same to, at the time, a 28-year-old. But the movies that I really want that have never left VHS are the Star Wars original cuts of the film. You know, 1997, the special editions came out, and since then, those have been the definitive edition of the Star Wars films. Those are the ones that are on 4K Blu-ray right now. Those are the ones that are on Disney+. And the original cuts, the last time they were released physically, were on VHS. For some reason, we still haven't gotten them yet. There's plenty of conspiracy theories out there as to why. Uh, plenty of people have been asking for this for Disney. You know, if you want free money, release the original cuts on 4K Blu-ray. You'll be flush with cash from the physical media community, I can promise you. So those are the kind of movies that I would love to get released on 4K Blu-ray, or at least on Blu-ray, mainly because I just want to see those original cuts again. Who, who? It's been so long, and I don't have them on VHS, so I would love to see those one more time. So that was a great question, Mr. Smelly Potato. Thank you very much, buddy. And then my last solo question of the week is from Kevin Kruger, and he asks... What are your top five least favorite franchises of all time? And I know I'm about to hurt some feelings right now because some of my least favorite franchises I know are a lot of other people's favorite franchises. And for me, at number five, I have the Hunger Games franchise. Not bad movies. I just never got a connection to them, so they were just never my franchise. And the most recent one, from what I understand, very disappointing. But I saw the original run of the movies. I never got into them. I tried. I really tried. But they were just not for me. And then at number four is the DCEU. Overall, just very disappointing. You know, we had some classics in there. I really, really, and it's one of my favorite superhero movies ever. The Suicide Squad is in there. Man of Steel is also a great film. 
I liked the four-hour cut of Justice League, but for the most part, there was a lot of swings and misses, especially over its last year with The Flash, Black Adam, the sequel to Aquaman. Like, all three of those movies were generic as hell, terrible CGI, and overall just bad movies. You know, the original Suicide Squad movie was pretty damn bad. Batman vs. Superman still hurts me to this very day about how bad that movie was. So overall, the DCEU, for the amount of movies in there, its success rate for me, pretty damn low, so I have to put that at number four. And then at number three, because there's actually three movies, so it is a franchise, I have the Cars movies. These always just felt like Pixar's one big cash grab franchise. Until recently. Now they're really leaning into sequels. But back then, they weren't really a franchise kind of studio. They really would just put out a one movie every year or year or two, and they put all their heart and soul into it. And then the Cars movies came around. And you can clearly see they were really more interested in selling kids' toys than actually putting out a good quality film. Now... That's not to say that the Cars movies are that bad, but in the canon of the Pixar filmography, for the most part, not the greatest. In fact, I would say that they're all pretty much near the bottom. They are successful. They do sell a lot of toys. People love Lightning McQueen, but for me, I just do not enjoy that franchise. They're not something I run back to. And then at number two, despite having one of the greatest sci-fi movies of all time starting the franchise, I have to go with the Matrix franchise, mainly because the only good movie in that franchise, and it's a great one, is the original one. The second one, it's all right. Then the third and fourth film, absolutely atrocious both of them are terrible i remember seeing resurrections when it came out just being just super disappointed by it you know they kind of built that hype up like hey we're gonna get back on track with this one you know keanu Reeves was really at the you know the height of his powers and that resurgence of the kianasans everything that was going on at the time you know everyone was so excited for this movie and it turned out to be just absolutely atrocious don't know what the hell happened there uh, good idea in theory, but it just didn't stick to landing, and overall, as a franchise, this franchise should have died with the first film, and that would have been my choice for that. And then, number one, I know a lot of people love this franchise. There's actually somebody who's always talking about this franchise, to how much they enjoy it, and I'm sorry to say this, but it's the Transformers franchise. This is a franchise that... I have just never liked the original Transformers movie. I enjoyed that. Then I went and saw the second one in theaters twice because other people wanted to see it with me. Hated that movie. It's absolutely atrocious. The third movie in that original Shia LaBeouf trilogy is also absolutely terrible. The Mark Wahlberg movies are even worse than the Shia LaBeouf movies. And then you get Bumblebee. Bumblebee I actually enjoyed. And I was hoping that that would rekindle the franchise for me. That's the kind of movie I enjoyed. But of course that movie didn't make as much money as the others. So they kind of got back on track to what they consider the bayisms of the whole thing. With their most recent Transformers movie. And I really didn't enjoy that. You can watch my review here on the channel. I know so many people loved it. And they really enjoyed it. They thought it was a great Transformers movie. Not for me. I thought that movie was bad. I, I really left that movie. I really left that theater so disappointed. And I realized that the Transformers movies are just not my kind of franchise. If you love these movies, I really appreciate that. They just don't entirely work for me. I wish they did. I would love to love the Transformers franchise. But unfortunately, I just don't. So I'm sorry about that, guys. But the, fran the Transformers franchise, for me... That is my least favorite franchise of all time. I want to hear from you guys. What are your top five least favorite franchises? Leave those in the comment section below. And that's going to do it here for us on another episode of Let's Talk Physical Media with me and my lovely wife, Faith. And if you guys want to join channel memberships, you can do that. We have a Friends of the Channel tier. We have a Producers tier where you can find Nocturnal, Jason, Martin, and John Doe Juggalo. We also have a Director's tier where you can find Frank Rodriguez right now. 
But if you got no money to toss our way, don't you guys worry about that at all. The best way to support this channel is just by simply liking the video, subscribing to the channel, turning notifications on, because surprisingly that does help, and sharing this video. And then after you're done doing all of that, all we want you guys to do is get out in those streets, tell your friends about us, and then we'll be seeing you around.